Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And on today's podcast, we have Oh, and here's the thing. I did not ask you how to say your name, which was probably the biggest mistake, but I'm going to try it. We have uh, a Bearcat who graduated from Northwest with a master's degree in teaching English as a second language. She is currently our membership development and events coordinator for KXCV, KRNW. Please welcome Helen Constantopoulos. Did I say it right? So close. (laughs) Okay. How do you say it? It's Constantopolis. Constantopolis. I've known you for like several years and I have no idea how to say your last name, but that's okay. Everybody do. Constantopolis. There you go. All right. Welcome, Helen. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So we'll just start out. So knowing Travis has a radio background um, and membership development and events coordinator for KXCV KRNW is the radio station on campus, right? So um, tell us what you do in your job. Uh, Well, I do lots of different things more than my title uh, says, obviously. Um, I think the the main part of what I do every day uh, is the traffic log for the students uh, to run their radio shows. So I type in, you know, what time the promo is going to be, what time the underwriting is going to be. And I, so the logs, the traffic logs basically are the biggest part of my day. Accounts payable. I do all the invoicing and all the paychecks deposited. So I am all the very important paperwork behind the things you hear on the radio, right? So she's the brains behind KACV, KRW, because that's, that's what the traffic director is. They run the whole place, whether they, their voice may never be on the radio, but they run the whole show, in my experience anyway. I do stuff that doesn't require actual broadcasting experience, which I don't have, but I'm slowly uh, learning. You have a great voice. You'd be good on there. So you need to get on there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing some promos uh, in the go. past year, and of course, I was forced to do some fundraising pitches because that's the um, part of my the title you know mm-hmm. uh, for the on-air fun drives so I have been on air a little bit just you know I'm still not as comfortable <laughs> as I'd like to right. be from that that's a good point though here's the thing you have no experience and no credentials and yet here you are with the actual job so I, I like to give people hope like everyone thinks you have to be very specifically trained to do very specific tasks in a job, but that's really not true. No, it's not. My, um, my past and the different, my jobs, basically I've been an educator all my life, a teacher. I was born to be a teacher. So this is my, since my, I got my degree, my non uh, teaching job, <laughs> but I also worked in a restaurant. I, I like to say I was born in the restaurant business because you know that's what my family did all these years and uh, I did work for Uncle George downtown at A&G restaurant so (laughs) all that customer service and all that multitasking has helped me transfers very well exactly and you know when I had younger students uh, I always told them you know your first part-time job waitress or waiter server anything in a restaurant because it's going to teach you all the skills you need for any career that you get 
So was your first, so your very first part-time job or, you know, the, where you got paid to work, was it in the restaurant or in a restaurant? It was. Yeah. So what did you do? Were you server or host hostess? Uh, well, I did everything because my dad owned the business. <laughs> so I worked uh, at the A&G in Falls City, Nebraska and Danny's restaurant in Hiawatha, Kansas. That's uh, my, my dad had those two places. So I was cook, I was manager, server, dishwasher, everything. So Wow, that's incredible. So you, a lot of people have part-time jobs in restaurants or in food, but you actually really, because your family owned the business, you got the gamut of yes. experiences, right? What was your favorite one? What was your favorite job? Even though it's the hardest, um, I still like it the best, serving, because I'm a people person, and I just love the communication and meeting new people and the service aspect. Taking hungry people and making them fed people, right? Yes. <laughs> so now my, my son has taken over for me, so he works at the restaurant downtown at A&G, and so he, uh, he's the new me. I've taught him all he knows. <laughs> So you said you always knew that you wanted to be a teacher. So you're working in a restaurant, your family owns a restaurant. Like, how did you know that you wanted to be a teacher or, you know, what experiences kind of pointed you in that direction? That's a good question. Um, I've never really thought about it, but um, just in helping my other classmates um, sometimes, but I remember the first actual teaching gig that I had, I was in a senior in high school in Fall City, Nebraska, and they asked uh, some seniors to go into the middle school and teach the eighth graders the bad effects of smoking and talk about that. So that, yeah, I really loved it. And I guess that was the, how the journey began. So, okay. So then you, I'm assuming you, you went to college with the idea that you were going to be a teacher, right? A lot of students, you know, you want to be a teacher, you kind of start off in that path. Um, can you talk to me about how did you pick the college that you chose and what was your experience like as an undergraduate? Well, I lived in Nebraska. Uh, so uh, the University of Nebraska was obviously the Ivy League and I did get a small scholarship, math scholarship to go there. It was tiny, but being in state, you know, I was able to to go there. That's how I chose that. And um, I went into uh, education, as I said, secondary education, uh, emphasis on mathematics and German. Ah, mathematics teacher <laughs> and, and German. That's, and quite, German. A, yeah, that's quite a combination. <laughs> it was really hard to double major. Um, my college years were tough, but they were also fantastic. Um, so why did you pick German? So, okay, I, I understand, you know, English, math, reading, you know, all of those. So why choose German? Did you, did you know German? Did you speak German? Was it interesting to you? you? How did you make that choice? Basically, my two favorite classes in high school, you know, I was really close to the, uh, the German teacher, Mrs. Beal. <laughs> I still remember her name. I don't remember any other names very well. <laughs> but, and I was very good at math. And I loved you know, solving problems and all that. Um, so I thought those two would be a nice combination, you know, that I could get into any school easily. And so did you, once you got through and got your certification, I'm assuming you graduated with math and German teaching. Did you teach after that? I taught, but not math and German. Who tell us more. <laughs> the new journey began a different fork in the road. Um, I 
a double majored in four years, did it all in four years. That's I a lot of work. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and two very difficult uh, fields. So I went to visit my dad who was living in Greece at the time. And so was my sister. And I ended up making one month into two, two into three, three into four. And then I'm like, okay, I'll stick around. So I needed to get a job. So that's where I began teaching English as a second language, or as it's officially called English as a foreign language. When you're in that country, it's their foreign language. Were you teaching high schoolers English as a foreign language or what age group of students were you teaching at that time? All age groups. In, uh, in Greece, uh, there are private language schools because everyone sends their kids to learn English so that they can get a certificate that says, I'm proficient in English. Um, they believe that with that certificate, uh, it's a foot in the door for any career um, that they want to get. Greece depends on tourism and everybody needs to know English. Um, so it's big business, or it was <laughs> back then. So that's where I was able to bring in my uh, teaching education, even though it wasn't math or German. Uh, <laughs> what I learned from uh, German, which was teaching a foreign language, I was able to um, use for English as a foreign language. So are you fluent in Greek as well? Do you speak Greek? I, I am bilingual, yes. Okay, you had to say something to me in Greek. Okay, I don't have no idea what you said, but I loved it. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really enjoying this. You guys are great. This is, that was awesome. That just made my day. So how long did you stay in Greece teaching English? I ended up meeting my husband, getting married, having my two kids, and then uh, things started getting tough economically. So we moved to Maryville where... Uncle George uh, both gave us jobs at A&G. So I was server and manager at A&G for five years. When an opportunity came up to work with um, students from Niigata, Japan here at Northwest at the, uh, for the ESL program, it had been like a four-week program, but then it turned into an eight-week program and they needed a third teacher. So magically, you know, I got that foot in the door. Uh, eventually, I had I, we moved back to Greece because uh, we wanted our kids to be raised near family and to learn Greek. So I continued ESL in Greece. And then, lo and behold, they needed uh, an ESL teacher, um, a full-time ESL teacher here. And it hit with the economic crisis in Greece. So we moved back to Maryville, and I became a Northwest um, staff member teaching English as a second language. Yeah. I'm interested in moving back and forth so many times between Greece and Maryville. Like, so, because we have a lot of people, honestly, so in Maryville, we have a lot of international students. We have international faculty, you know, people who have to move. Maryville is not easy to get to <laughs> from anywhere. So if you had like some tips or tricks on traveling to a different country or moving to a different country. We, in fact, I, I visited with a student earlier last week who was interested in finding a job in a different country. Maybe you could help us out. Like, what are some roadblocks? What are some things that we like that, that might help us out to know about, uh, about moving back and forth between countries, working in different countries? I would love to be of help with that, but I'm a first generation American born to two immigrants from Greece. And so I have dual citizenship. I didn't have to go through the 
the hoops of all the paperwork and the visas and all that, because you do need specific work visas for whatever country. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't have that to go through. So it was pretty, pretty easy for me. You had also the advantage of family relationships. So, and a family business. So, you know, it's not like you had to go looking for work. You could just be like, hello, Uncle George. Exactly. (laughs) I've showed up for work today. One thing I've been very careful of because I guess I'm, it just causes a lot of anxiety. I never moved before I knew I had a job. Mm. So I didn't make that leap except for the first time when I actually went on vacation to visit family <laughs> and ended up staying there. But when I moved back here, I, I had the job at A&G ready to go. When I moved back to Greece uh, for my kids to start school there, I made sure I had a teaching job before I moved. And then when I came back here again, I had that uh, teaching job here at Northwest that just relieved the anxiety for me. And, uh, I, we knew where we were going. I think that's a good piece of him. That's a very good piece of wisdom. Yeah. Don't move until you have the job. <laughs> Even state to state. That's because, you know, if you're going somewhere and you don't, you don't have a social network to plug into or family to connect to, like have something, you know, a job is at least you're going to have the, the money and then, but you're also going to meet people. So yeah, that's a good advice. Yeah. If you don't have the family or some kind of connection, you need to really get the job first. So you're back here, you're full-time teaching English as a second language at Northwest. How long did you do that? I did that for five years. I was shy of five years by 11 days. Uh, Unfortunately, they decided uh, to do away with the English as a second language program uh, back in 2007, was it? Yes. So that's when a lot of uh, programs got cut uh, and we were one of those. So then uh, that's where my initial degree came in handy. I got a job teaching math at a um, community high school here in the area. And uh, it was probably the hardest job I ever had in a public school system, teaching math after 30 years. So I had to reteach myself um, everything and, you know, study every night. And it was a very, very tough year. But I gained a lot of experience and, you know, I, I, I love teaching, as I said. So, I, you know, I love the interaction with the students. So I don't regret it, <laughs> but it was hard. That's also an interest. So both that it was difficult and also that because I think a lot of especially students, if they're fresh grads and they can't get a job in their field or they, you know, their first job offer is not in their initial field, they feel like they've failed. But here's the thing, like your degree (laughs) is an investment. It's not, you know, and it may pay off 30 years later. I mean, that really saves, in a way, saved you having that degree that you could just pull out and be like, hey, look at this. I've already prepared myself in this area. Yep. And it helped me get the job in Greece as well, starting off, you know. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. Even though it wasn't in math, the actual teaching degree, you know, helped me. And the fact that I had a college degree, because that proved that I was proficient in the language and having the teaching degree also, you know, helped me get my start. Prove that you were a teacher or could exactly. teach or had training, professional exactly. training and teaching. Okay. So you taught math. 
been, how, how long did you teach math? One year. (laughs) (laughs) An arduous year of teaching math. (laughs) Yes. And as I was uh, preparing um, that summer, my daughter decided to study abroad and go back to Greece because she didn't like it here. So she, she left. And so we went to Greece uh, to move her into uh, an apartment, get her set up for for school there in Athens. And uh, I was just studying for my second year when I saw this job opening because I'm like, I'm just going to take a look, see if Northwest has anything that I could possibly do. Because like I said, even though I love teaching, it was really hard for me. So, and the job came up and everything listed on the criteria I had done at one point in my life or another. So (laughs) planning events uh, was a big part of uh, my job as an ESL instructor, because it was just uh, the two of us, myself and Nancy Hardy. So uh, we did all the tours for the international students. We did their, we just, we did everything. Um, So I had a lot of experience uh, that came into play here. And of course, the restaurant managing uh, different students. And Talk to us about the process of learning a foreign language, because obviously, you know, multiple languages yourself, and you've helped students in languages you weren't fluent in. And, you know, you've learned German. And is there what is helpful in learning a language or as your experience as a, a, a teaching foreign languages, what helps students learn? What benefit is there to knowing a second language? Huge benefit because it connects the left and the right brain. Uh, if you're bilingual, um, they say you know you use more percentage of your brain. You can talk to twice as many people. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to twice as many people. To be successful in learning uh, a foreign language, you have to be exposed to it. You have to have it as part of your life every day. Um, obviously, if you're living in the States and you want to learn Spanish, you've got to take the time to either watch a Spanish show every day or travel to Mexico or another um, Spanish speaking country. Uh, get that exposure so that it becomes part of your daily life, because if you don't use it, you lose it. I spent four years in high school, four years in college, and I studied abroad one summer in Austria and I don't know German anymore. So um, eight, eight years of my life, and unfortunately, because I wasn't exposed to it daily, I, 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 lost, I lost it. I mean, I remember a few things, bits and pieces, and I'm sure if I, you know, opened up a book and started reteaching myself, it would, you know, it would click, but. It's not directly, you can't walk up to someone and just carry on a fluent conversation in German. Not at all. So you, you, it doesn't matter how long you study. If you're not, if you're not using it, it's it's not going to be there for you. Math is kind of kind of its own kind of language, really, too. So do yeah. you think that the you know I could see whether there's kind of a correlation between teaching math to people that don't know that level of math, and then teaching English to a student who has basic understanding but needs to get because the ESL program, you know, every student who would come to Northwest, they have to pass the TOEFL. They have to have basic English skills. And then the ESL program was to make them conversational and functional with it. So I would think there'd be a very similar line between teaching high schoolers algebra and teaching international students English. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. It is uh, uh, its own language. You know, mathematics is a a language. It's just uh, harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very few of us speak it well. So I don't speak it well at all. What was your favorite part? Like, 
of math? What is your favorite math, mathiness? I love algebra, you know, finding what the X is again, because it's a mystery, you know, <laughs> that's a I good love- way to think of it really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's come back to membership development and events coordinators. So you told us a few, a few pieces. So, you know, events coordinator doing outings and, and, and getting students integrated into, you know, an English speaking culture, working at the restaurant. I mean, a restaurant itself is an event, right? Talk about like maybe more of the member development side. What kind of skills were useful to you for that? What is member development? Well, I didn't know either until I started this job. <laughs> it's I've been learning as I've been going. Um, it is fundraising, basically, um, getting community members to invest in us. Um, so and keeping track of the records who past members were um, sending out mailings to remind them that we need their support, having fun drives, sending out thank you notes, a lot of communication skills. Okay, so you need to be able to write well and speak well and, and keep good records, spreadsheets and docs and all that. So very similar to good restaurant skills, <laughs> right? Yeah. You need to be able to communicate well and also keep good records. Yes. <laughs> For those that don't know, we, we kind of talk about KXCB, KRNW, you know, your national public radio affiliate. So people, you know, if they're only used to the other side of radio, the, you know, the commercial radio, that's a whole different ballgame than NPR. Yes, we are what is called a public radio station. Not co- so we don't want to run commercials. They don't, um, businesses don't pay us to sell um, their name, but they can, we can sell underwriting to them. They can underwrite programs. Uh, for example, we have the program running right now, Rhythm and Roots. Um, if there is a business in the vicinity that would like to sponsor that, uh, we call that underwriting, which I learned here as well. Um, I had no idea what it was. They can uh, choose to support the program. So it would say Rhythm and Roots is, sponsor- is underwritten by and then give the business name. So it's kind con- it is sort of like a commercial, but not. They're, we're not selling the business. They're just showing their support to the program. Yeah, providing information, but no call to action, right? Isn't exactly. that the difference? Perfect, Travis. I, would, you know better I, I remember my radio classes. Yes. A plus in radio. Because <laughs> I could never write. I, I had a really hard time with underwriting assignments in college because I came from that commercial background where it, the call to action was the like, that was the thing. It was mention this ad to get $5 off or come and buy this. And then when I had to write stuff for classes, you know, for like KXCV, I, I struggled. It was hard because <laughs> that the whole point was cut out. So it was difficult. So yeah, it's, they're very different, but you know, Public radio is wonderful, though. It's, you know, if you if you don't support your public radio and public television station, you should. They're very important. So please do that. That was Travis's call to action. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Travis. And if I can also plug in, it is our 50th year anniversary. That's so amazing. We'll celebrating all year long. Um, so. Now, wish us happy birthday. Support us by writing a check. (laughs) (laughs) In honor of the 50th anniversary. Right. So we don't make money like commercial radio does. We depend on the listeners to help us um, keep the radio station going. 
And uh, what else what was I going to say? Oh, another big part of my job that you might be interested in um, is social media. I'm also kind of the coordinator of social media or co-coordinator because uh, uh, Matt Tritton also does the sports aspect and I do the, the news side and the community events. So I'm always putting things on our website and um, on Facebook and Twitter. So that's a, another uh big component of my job that I've also um, had to learn. I'm very interested in your answer to this question because of your, you have such a vastly different experience than many of the people, uh, you know, dual citizenship, moving back and forth, different languages. I'm very interested to know what does it mean to you to be a Bearcat? I love being a Bearcat. Um, Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat, right? I was a a Bearcat before I got my master's degree, before I, you know, from uh, Northwest. I just, you know, I... I don't know. It's family. It's community. Um, I don't know. I feel a, a part of something. And I think uh, you become whole as a person when you're part of a community, part of a family like that. And I truly believe that um, Northwest is community and family. You're also, I, before we get into the final part here, um, you're also really active with the Ally Group for staff members on campus. So do you want to talk about that, what it is and kind of what you guys do? Yes, so we have uh, the Ally Affinity Group uh, on campus for faculty and staff members. Uh, we get together once a month and just discuss uh, racial issues and how to better ourselves to be a better ally to underrepresented students. Um, so, uh, we support, uh, the diversity and inclusion office with their events and try to, uh, be, take part in all the workshops and the book clubs. We watch movies and have movie discussions on different themes, um, for our next m- uh, meeting, which is coming up, uh, Wednesday for this semester, there are Wednesdays at noon, the last Wednesday of each month at noon, sorry. We're going to talk about the Black Bill of Rights. So we're each learning what that is, and then we're going to come together and discuss that. So it's just a learning process, how to better support our underrepresented students and be better allies and how to be more visible and more supportive to our students. And if someone wants to join that, they can just show up. What do they have to do? They can just email me at Helen K or email directly the ally group, which is just the word ally both of those at nwmissouri.edu. Um, and then we'll put you on the emailing list. We also have a Canvas uh, site. So uh, past articles, information, videos, and whatnot is all on Canvas. So um, there's more learning opportunity through that. Of course, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter account as well. But um, to be invited to the group and the meetings, we need to know who you are. So you can just shoot us an email and, and we'll get you in the group. So it's just a pretty relaxed group. We're open. We just ask and answer questions, talk about our feelings. You know, this past summer was pretty rough and we had a lot of emotions. So it was nice to have that group to, uh, to talk. A supportive to. place. Yeah. 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 One thing we've been doing before the end of the podcast is giving everybody a chance to just share anything that they have on their mind. Uh, anything that's going on, just it's your, it's your space. I want everybody to just sit back and listen, be kind, be civil. There's always more, um, more sides to a story, more perspectives than just one. And nothing is linear. 
And this is coming from the mathematician. Let's be clear. <laughs> I don't consider myself a mathematician anymore, but yes, I, I, I did go through all the hard work, so I'll take it. <laughs> it makes me sound smart. Um, as far as uh, future career, since we're, you know, that's, I think, what you guys do, right? Getting Bearcats ready for the future. I think, you know, any job you can, uh, you do, you can take those skills and put them into any job, any degree you get, what you've learned, you can translate to other areas. You know, you don't have to be a math teacher if you have a math degree, because, you know, just the critical thinking involved with learning math has helped you with skills that you could use in any field. Um, so, I think that's important. And as far as studying um, at a university, get a calendar, <laughs> you know, write down all your assignments. You know, pl the planner is your best life. When I was a freshman and I tell all my seminar students, because I, I do teach university seminar, um, I tell them that my freshman year, the first semester was hell. And then I got a planner and I wrote down you know, my TV time, my, uh, this is the time I study for German. This is the time I study for math. This is when I get exercise. I wrote everything down. And after that, I had a great, great uh, time at university and good grades finished strong. And did, and yeah. And did a very rigorous course of study in a short exactly. period of time. So planner is key. No, all <laughs> your deadlines. <laughs> and now it's so much easier because all the devices are connected and you can just pop it on your phone and everything dings at the same time. You got a paper coming up, you know, it's easy. You guys now for you. I know back in the day, we had to write it with a pencil on a piece of paper. Yeah. It was yeah. not this phone thing. And we had to get all those colored pens, you know, so we can <laughs> color code all our classes. <laughs> so that's my advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for being yes, a guest you. on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's been fun. That will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>